Is your phone full of rusty neon sign pics? Do LEDs make your eyes bleed? Then pop in your headphones. And enter a place where the code enforcers can't hear you scream. It all looks easy, but as they say in the trade, it's something any child could do with 20 years practice. Just watch. Just, just, just watch. The bright lights are taking their scientific shape. We're DJ and Allison, and you're listening to Neon Nonsense. This episode is brought to you by FMS Sign Products. Check out their website, brillite.com, for all your glass tubing, GTO, electrodes, boots, almost anything you can think of you need for neon, you can find it at FMS. It all started when my mom asked me if I wanted to go to Vegas for her birthday. My response? Hell yeah, Wanda. So I picked up my phone and asked my neon nonsense buddy to meet me in Vegas. Spoiler, she said yes. (laughs) Spoiler. (laughs) Like, yeah, I was in the middle of this, like, stressful show prep, and the idea of escaping to Vegas with you sounded perfect. Neon Nonsense does Vegas. Don't see what Elvis's airs. Elvis's, especially the Elvis I saw on the scooter. There was an intensely awesome Elvis on an electric scooter. He was great. I loved him. His sneakers were not tied. (laughs) (laughs) He has time. Who has time? All that was missing was a little like doggy in an Elvis costume in his basket. I was bummed about that. So we'd like to regale you with our version of what happens in Vegas eventually goes on a podcast about neon signs. (laughs) We stayed at the Excalibur because Jacob and I are children and I threw a fit because my mom wanted to stay at the Harrah's and I said to her you could stay at any Harrah's in the world (laughs) and they all look the same. I am staying in a castle that has a a basement that's called the Fun Dungeon. dungeon. Your birthday can't stop me. (laughs) I wasn't expecting to have so much fun, I must say. Uh, As as, uh, someone who doesn't usually love touristy things, the amount of touristy things there kind of outweighs the touristiness of it. Um, That's a good way to put it. Yeah, there's neon everywhere. I mean, obviously not as much as there used to be, um but you know Excalibur had a good amount Uh, they still had an outdoor neon sign that had a big sword on it that was awesome and then they next door it was like you could walk basically over this walking bridge and go to New York New York which I think I'd like to stay in next time if we go back anytime soon uh because there was so much neon in there like it was just obscene the amount of like fake little New York storefronts that had like cool neon fish seafood signs in them and uh, kind of like everything was retro looking and kind of just like a cool vibe I love that I think that was my favorite hotel out of all all of the many that we walked through that one had the most neon that was just kind of interesting really cool we walked through we walked through most of them too yeah although I think I may have mentioned this in the past but my favorite neon sign in all of Las Vegas is the Flamingo Hotel and I don't know maybe I should stay there someday and um 
all the flamingos were put away for bird flu. Yeah, that was a bummer. <laughs> I also yeah. really liked what's the what's the pyramid one? Luxor. Yeah, Lux- that was funny. Luxor. Luf Luxor. Yes. I really liked that shape. It was very strange. There was a major lack of neon in that place, but I really liked its design. It fascinated me greatly. The beauty of it is we met each other at the neon boneyard. So it's just like this perfect meeting point. We hadn't seen yep. each other in a little while. And yep. I got to run up to DJ and hug her in the lobby of La Concha yep. and then go look at Neon together. It was magical. And it has been a few years since I have been there and it was a good tour. Less stuff was lit up, but our tour guide was a very nice man, but he kept calling argon tubes, mercury tubes. And it was driving me insane. The same thing happened on a tour for me when I went four years ago. So I would like to express how thrilled I was that upon our newest uh, visit to the Neon Boneyard, we got a super duper tip top docent who we now know as Ash. So answered all of our really uh, specific questions and gave us a lot of really great information about science that I didn't even, I didn't know either. So we were super excited to invite them to be on the podcast. And we found out that like us, they are super into history and the history of neon as well. So we thought we'd share a little convo with you. Yeah. Now. Thank you so much. Yeah. For being on the podcast. We really yeah. appreciated you. And like yeah. immediately, I think like our tour had started not even five minutes. And I looked at Allison and I was like, we need to have them on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> immediately. Yeah. I was like, do you think they'd be our friend? <laughs> <laughs> we were really annoying at the tour. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> not at all. My, I think that tours are a lot more fun when people are interested in asking questions. Although it was kind of fun to annoy the older white men on the tour. It, like sometimes oh, it seemed like there was like a moment where they'd be like, haha, they're kind of funny. And they'd be like, shut the hell up. And we like make up. No, <laughs> this is my life. This is our life. You don't understand. <laughs> Have so, you lived in Vegas like a long time? Um, I've lived here for almost three years now. I'm originally from California. Um, I grew up in SoCal. I was going to university um, in like the Northern Valley area. I went to university at UC Merced. While mm-hmm. I was there, COVID happened, everything shut down. So my mom lived out here in Vegas and I just kind of packed everything up and moved out here. Nice. Yeah. How's that been How's that been going? Is that a good fit? Oh yeah. I mean, um, I don't think I'll stay in Vegas for the rest of my life, uh, but I definitely... Uh, Vegas has definitely changed my life in a lot of really great ways. Um, I currently have a son now. He's one. Congrats. Uh, Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Um, So, yeah. And um, I've been able to explore a lot in my career. I love history and I love working with museums. So part of the reason I'm at the Neon Museum is because it's something I really enjoy. Lovely. Yeah, we were kind of curious just again to get to know what direction to take some of our conversation today is like what brought you to the Neon Museum specifically? Like, did you have a neon moment or you just are like cool nonprofit, lots of cool lights? Like, tell us more. Yeah, so um, I knew I want to do museum work. I graduated with a bachelor's in history. Um, I worked as an intern at a museum in California. It was at uh, 
old Air Force base and this little tiny town called Atwater. Um, and it's called the Castle Air Force uh, Museum. And they have like old World War II aircrafts there. And I got to work with a lot of like the information and the curator gave me access to a lot of the files and stuff. It was nice. a really fun project. Um, but one thing that I learned uh, working at that museum was that there are so many people that we don't realize that can kind of control how history is portrayed and in ways that we don't really think about. So when we think about museums, we think about like public knowledge. We think like these are the things, these are the facts, right? Um, but one thing I learned working at that museum is that a lot of the time, depending on the uh, environments and the people who are running that place, history can be portrayed however they want it to be portrayed um, in, an, in a facility that is supposed to be about the facts, right? Um, yeah. So then when I moved to Las Vegas, um, I was kind of not really sure where to go. And then I heard about the Neon Museum. Um, and when I first was hired, I was just like astounded. I had never really been around neon signs like that. Um, and I'm sure like you guys experienced, like, I don't, I never really thought about how big the signs are or um, about like what really goes into making signs like that, you know, like the Moulin Rouge sign and the Hard Rock guitar, um, all of those mm -hmm. things I, I haven't, I, ha I did not think about. And then going into that job, I was really opened up to just like Las Vegas history, how everything connects. Um, and then of course, I'm a performer. I love you know, talking in front of people and I love being able to educate people. So the fact that the museum gives us the ability to kind of be creative with how we give our tours, how we connect that information. Um, I don't know, it's just been a really, really great job. It's something that I definitely uh, enjoy. And I've learned so much about Las Vegas, about neon, um, and also like, this is really my first time working full time with a nonprofit. So, um, it was just really opened my eyes to a lot of things that, um, or like, are kind of like the stepping stones to what I want to do with my career. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. There's so much there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I agree with so much of that. Like, I'm sure you're aware that I, or you may, may not be that, uh, neon like was commercialized by like George Claude, who, you know you have to do some digging to find out oh yeah he was a nazi and he also oh, invented yeah. like 200 different gases to kill the allies neon just was one of the neon signs was just one of his inventions out of hundreds that were fucking deadly on purpose mm -hmm. <laughs> so God. yeah it's really like uh it's yeah the trajectory that the narrative goes depending on who's telling it is uh yeah yeah very and how few people in our industry know its origin. Like, it's really, I find it interesting, at least, that, like, we have a lot of people who know, who have been involved with how secretive neon making has been. Like, I've heard a lot of people in our industry tell stories of, like, visiting other shops in the 80s, and someone would literally turn, like, turn their back to them, finish the bend, and then turn off their fires, and then talk to the person who entered to, like, save those secrets and it the thing that kind of astounds me is that for some reason it's hard to see that through line of that original particular horrible person who <laughs> made this happen for us today 
but like I can see that through line. It makes sense to me as same from a historical perspective. Mm-hmm. And um, so I really love that's where you're coming from because both DJ and I are super nerds when it comes to like <laughs> history and storytelling. Yeah. And um, we we really love the the where all of these things come from. We find that the we both I think that's what one of our shared loves is just understanding origins of things and um, how to interact with them. So. I was just going to say, like, I 100% agree. It's something that um, I think that, especially it being interested in history specifically and also being a pretty big nerd about history, yes. um, you don't really, sometimes I, uh, when I was, like, learning about how to study history and things like that, you don't really think about things that are um, so tangible, right? Things that you can't really think about um that we're still doing today, right? When it comes to like artifacts and things like that. Um, but working with the museum or the Neon Museum and realizing that, you know, Neon is still very much around. Um, people love Neon signs, right? And like you said, there's that disconnect of like not really knowing the history behind it. I don't know, it's just crazy to think about that all these things are are intertwined and yet so many people just don't know about it. Well, isn't yeah. it like a saying that like the best design is something you don't even notice? Like, and that's yeah. just been, neon has just been everywhere for so long in the zeitgeist of people's brain, but it's still such a, yeah, vivid, like kind of cultural memory. It's really interesting. Do you know about uh, Henry Moore and the Moore tube? I do not. So that's what's Ooh. really cool for history for, for like, I, I don't know if, if you feel the same way, but it's like, if you kind of, not that I discovered this, there's just been our friend uh, Robert and his uh, collection of friends have done a lot more research on him because there's not a lot. And I think Wayne um, Stratman too, but uh, he basically, you know, everyone says Claude Neon made Neon happen and he's French. So the French say he's like their Tesla or whatever, and they like to claim Neon. But Mm -hmm. really, if you go further back, I don't know how many years, it might be more like 15, 20 years late, like earlier, Moore was an American who would basically go to, let's say, a department store, and he would set up a glass shop in the department store on the first floor. Mm. He called them glass plumbers. Yeah. And they would create a single unit that hung from the ceiling in the same exact shape of the ceiling as like a skeleton that glowed with not exactly neon or um, I think it was like helium. It was like a mixture of something because it also wasn't perfectly in a vacuum. Like combustion system that would like like process it and ignite it and like keep it lit. It was really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot known about it, but like whoever discovered that basically completely changed everybody's, you know, hopefully eventually. It's being written in more books now. It's being used as a way to like say, fuck you, George Claude, let's not give you the whole first chapter of every book (laughs) that comes out about Neon. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is it's more that Claude had the first electrode patent. So it was less that he's truly the father of Neon and more that he just was the first to swoop in on a particular electrode that worked well. And so people had to get around that patent, hence being kind of like a jerry-rigged medium as everyone was trying to get around that and still make the things happen. True that. True that. More tubes. It's also the reason we have hand torches, because like DJ said, they would make it on site. They would weld all the glass together. And that's Mm -hmm. the only reason we really have like the modern hand torch for welding big pieces together. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, can I ask you a question? Um, can you tell me a little bit about um, like how you both got into neon bending and also like the inspiration behind making the podcast? Ooh. All right. You want to go first? Go first. Damn it. <laughs> okay. I'll go first. <laughs> um, so my, the medium version of my story is I always wanted to make neon and had no idea where to start. Like it just was impossible. I, and honestly, at the time that I first, it was like maybe early undergrad for me. And so at the time I had no idea that it was really handmade. And so I just saw a cool Kuseth piece in my local museum. And I was like, that was interesting. And mm -hmm. then um, in 2018, I was able to take a six week class and I, and it was like, literally I saw the first two I put in the fire. I was like, I could see my 90 year old self, like still in the fire and <laughs> like beam of light, literally guiding me <laughs> to the rest of my future. And, and literally that it's history for me. Like I spent the rest of that year visiting any shop that would let me visit. I would I'd pay the money to teach me. I would just like put... <laughs> I would be like, can I just watch you and I'll sweep for you? Like whoever would take me. Um, and then at the end of 2018, I opened a really small, my first small shop and uh, just got to practicing as much as possible. And I'm where I am now from breaking tons and tons of pounds of glass and mm -hmm. <laughs> improving daily. And uh, then DJ and I found each other at the beginning of 2019. I got to visit her in Raleigh and that's where I learned to pump. And it just is sort of how our friendship blossomed and we were like oh my god you're really cool can we be long oh distance god, really cool. yeah and now we are awesome yeah so yeah there's a medium version for me yeah mine is basically the same but a little bit just so slightly different in that I kind of had an art trajectory my whole life but it was in metalsmithing so my background is in jewelry and metalsmithing. So I was actually making for my bat, my uh, master's degree, I was doing these series of miniature sign uh, can letters. So all like, like hand done, like copper. And then I would enamel them with like powdered enamel. And I, I was really curious into, into being able to like light them up. But I really, even back then I hated LEDs. I don't even remember why. Like I had no real reason to hate them. Mm. uh but at, I just was like I didn't want to use them I think I've just just yeah I just low temp solder I hate it so I just <laughs> I, I uh so I was just like I was being snobby I think and I was there just happened Shocker. to be extra money uh in the budget for the graduate students and when they when that happens they need to spend it so they don't they don't they get that money back the next year mm -hmm. and so they're like they send out an email and they're like hey so propose a research thing any research thing and we'll give you two thousand dollars like two grand or something and uh I was like I want to go learn neon somewhere that was literally <laughs> the thing I wrote and they were like here here's the money and I was like are you serious now I have to do it <laughs> so I actually had to like find a shop that was willing to talk teach me and that was really hard which is I think the impetus to this this podcast is because we kind of both went through the ringer trying to find this Indeed. knowledge and my background is in uh metalsmithing but also in research because graduate school does that to you and it kind of like just realizing you know I was bringing all my all my a game to the metalsmithing world and I didn't feel like I was actually making a difference because there's so many of us you know there's already metalsmithing conferences and metalsmithing mm -hmm. guilds and metalsmithing podcasts and metalsmithing shows but 
once I got into the neon world, I actually um, got a little tiny apprenticeship in Atlanta, had a great two weeks in Atlanta, and was st stuck after that. Um, but I realized there was no, there was no community that was beyond Facebook. Yeah. Um, and that really freaked me out. I was like, okay, well now I have all these networking skills and I running a conference and doing all these uh, panel discussions. And like you said, public speaking and how can I use this to help the thing that I love suddenly that seems really close to like snuffing out of existence, at least like obviously Vegas is different, but uh, in the South, it's like dire in some places. Uh, so yeah, that that's kind of the short version. And then I think we just, Allison and I saw each other from across the, the internets and uh, saw like, oh yeah, a friend that could be like an ally in the <laughs> struggle to get this fucking knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I feel like that was a huge part. I, that really hits the nail on the head for us. Cause I, like I come at it from a really different background, like my undergrads in communication, my master's degree is in arts administration. And like, we are all about collecting that knowledge and we're coming at it with all these people hoarding knowledge. And we're like, you can't be mad that the industry is dying and hoard the knowledge. You have to choose one, like, huh? <laughs> and equipment. <laughs> And equipment. Yeah. So it's just this really weird, like hoarding, secretive community, uh, non-community element that both of us were like, that's a weird skill set we have. Information sharing is something DJ and I both do well. And so that's why we wanted to have this podcast available. We, we want, we've covered topics as, as niche as plumbing your neon shop to as broad as let's just talk about your cool art. And that's why we wanted to have you on. Cause we really want to have some more interesting new content and from different perspectives and um, different people. And, and we honestly, we struggle with diversity in the neon community so hard. Like it's, it's a pretty dominantly white male field and um, there have always been women bending, but it's not like well-documented. Um, mm -hmm. And we just described how it's literally started by um, a Nazi in some ways. And so it's really, really white. We have very few people yeah. of color um, by POC people in our community. And that's one thing that DJ and I both care about too, is like really bringing in more people and for it to be a safe place to do that. Because just bringing someone into a white space doesn't do anything. Like mm -hmm. being able to figure out how to actually bring them in, make it, make it a safe place for them to be themselves in our place. So that's another like huge goal that we have. I feel both of our podcasts and sharing information and the future of what the neon industry looks like. Yeah. I mean, I totally get that. Starting at the neon museum, I didn't realize that, you know, I just didn't really know anything about Las Vegas history and about the people who really made an impact. So, of course, like one of the first things we learn is about Betty Willis, you know, one of the only women designers in the 50s. And, you know, she designed the Moulin Rouge. She designed the Welcome to Fabulous Las Vegas, um, the Blue Angel Motel, um, a lot of really great signs um, at the museum. Pretty recently, like about a year, like almost a year ago, um, we had a new mural installed in our brilliant show, and it has a lot of the people that really impact Las Vegas. Um, so we have like Betty Willis, we have Raul Rodriguez. Um, he was the person who designed the flamingo sign. Um, but he actually wasn't really a sign designer that much. He was 
he designed like over 500 floats for the Rose Parade float and floats in um, Pasadena, California. That's so, cool. Um, and then like, it's really fun because we have moments where people will come and they bring really great stories and they tell us like uh, to the docents and stuff like that. So um, we had somebody who told us, you know, they were Ronald Rodriguez's nephew and that they had, you know, um, grown up around him. And then they got oh. to come to the museum. And in our brilliant show, we have one of the flamingo feathers and we use projection mapping to display light onto the signs. Um, and that flamingo feather gets lit up. And then at the end, we have um, this kind of a slideshow going through on the screen. Um, and we talk a little bit about Raul Rodriguez. We have him on the mural. Um, and so that was just like a really nice moment. Uh, that person got to connect with the museum in like a really personal way that maybe others don't get to as often. Um, and we have people like that that come by all the time. You know, we have people who are um, neon vendors or used to work with um, skin companies or um, art just legitimately interested in, in doing things on their own. They come to the museum and they get kind of um, that really great personal connection. Um, and I love that I get to be a part of that. Um, and it's, I just think it's a lot of fun. But I also didn't realize like the diverse community that actually lived in Las Vegas, you know, not being from here, um, but being able to um, like, Working with the Neon Museum, you definitely get a lot of the tourists. You definitely get a lot of the ideas of, you know, um, all walks of life coming through. Um, but just my personal experience with Las Vegas, too. Before I was at the museum, I was working in middle schools um, as a school support specialist. And um, just kind of seeing the disconnect in Las Vegas of that um, tourist economy versus kind of like our, the schooling system in Clark County, which is really one of the worst school uh, districts in the entire country. Um, so it's just like being in that position of seeing that disconnect has been very eye-opening too. Um, and also one thing that I personally want to see more of when I see museums like this is that connection with the local communities. Um, you know, every once in a while the Neon Museum does like um, school trips and things like that if we're able to. Um, it's a definitely a little bit harder, though, because we're open in the afternoons. We're mm -hmm. usually open. The earliest we open throughout the year is at 2 p.m. They open until um, 10. But in the hotter month, we're open 4 to 12. So there's not really much of an opportunity for, for um, you know, school field trips to come to the museum and be able to learn about their own local history, which I think is really, uh, which I think could be a really valuable thing for the museum. Yeah, that's a really good point. Kind of went on a tangent there. <laughs> well, that's, no, that's terrific. Great. Yeah, it. I was thinking about how I like I would have been amazing to as a kid like do a camp out at the Neon Museum. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? Like when yeah, I was a kid, we there's a place here in the Portland area called Omsi, and it's like a science center. And mm -hmm. my Girl Scout troop once came to the science center. We like got to spend the night in the in the museum. It's like that'd be so cool like pitch a tent in the boneyard yeah i just want to <laughs> do that now can we like arrange that can we just like pay the museum too much money to let us sleep in the boneyard <laughs> you, you'd have to probably spend a lot of money to be able to <laughs> deal we'll have to like host our conference there and like put up some yurts and we'll just all sleep at the museum <laughs> for a weekend yep i mean i would do that but whatever we have a lot of cats 
Oh. We'll be visited by many cats throughout the night. Uh, we've cute. had multiple people who, uh, multiple of my coworkers who have picked up cats from the boneyard. Um, I personally also picked up a cat. I named her <laughs> Revere because it was Black History Month. And uh, we mainly talk a lot about Paul Revere Williams, who was the guy who designed La Concha, which is mm-hmm. the lobby of the museum that used to be a lobby of the motel. Um, and so I named her Revere and I brought her home and then she had kittens. I was like, oh my God. And, uh, we ended up finding homes for her and all of the kittens, except for one. We decided to keep one of them. Um, you might see him around. His name is Cotton and, um, he's only six months old now. Um, and he's a menace. Yes. (laughs) Menace to society. Yes. As cats yes, should be. But, awesome. You know. Yeah. So this is a question for all three of us. And the the micro nonsense question of the day is, if you could get any tattoo of any sign at the, mu- the Neon Boneyard, which sign would it be? And maybe where would you put it? <laughs> Do you want me to go first? Yes, if you have one in mind, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Okay, 100%. It would be a happy shirt. Damn. Um, ah, happy shirt. I knew that was DJs. Ah. <laughs> so Stole happy shirt is one of my favorite signs at the museum. Um, just like the story behind it is great. And also the design itself is just super cute. When I did my pumpkins, I did it. There's cotton right there. Um, when I did a pumpkin, um, I carved out happy shirt. I also carved out um, the ugly duckling sign, which is I would say like one of those two would be probably something I would really like. Um, So quick story for Happy Shirt, uh, made in 1962 for Steiner Cleaners. Um, It was designed by Steiner's young daughter. Uh, We don't have an exact age, but most likely like younger than teenage years. It was just like a doodle that got made into a sign. Um, And he cleaned for Liberace. My favorite story to tell is that Liberace had a coat that had around like 4,000 rhinestones on it. And they individually took off every single rhinestone, dry cleaned the coat, and then put them back on one by one exactly where they were, which was a seven-day job just for the one coat. So I definitely love the story and I love the sign. In terms of where I would get it, see, that's really hard. I already have a lot of tattoos, so I'm very picky about where I'm going to be putting everything else. Um, I probably put it on the back of my calf. I feel like that'd be a really good spot. Cute. Yes. Cute. I love that. I love that shirt so much. We will provide a picture of shirt man. Happy shirt. Happy and... shirt. So <laughs> do you need a second to decide, DJ, because yours was taken? Uh, or no. Happy shirt too. It's totally fine. <laughs> happy shirt is a really good one. Happy it's shirt so is for everyone. Everyone can like happy shirt. No. Well, I can go if you want a you second. Go. Yeah, you go. I'm looking. Okay. <laughs> maybe maybe Ashley can help me remember the name of it, but there's the the upside down horseshoe that's at the very end of the tour from the yeah. Was it just called the horseshoe? Yeah, so that was Binion's horseshoe. Binion's, right, 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 right. Okay, so I want to get Binion's horseshoe and for a couple of reasons. First, there's actually a ton that I would get from the Boneyard, but the horseshoe is particularly near and dear to my heart because DJ and I actually did a horseshoe workshop class at the Museum of Neon Art in (laughs) Glendale this year, and we did horseshoes. So what I would do is I would get the horseshoe face 
down, like when you're looking at it as the viewer, it would be face down, but it'd be on my forearm. So when I look at it, it's face up for good luck, not bad luck like Binion's wanted it to be. So no one would make money at their casino. Yes. <laughs> my little secret. That's a really good one. Could be fun. Um, I choose the yucca from the yucca. Oh, that was my second choice go ahead because it's just so silly and bonkers like designed like as a 3d so plant on top of a cool rectangle with fun fun light bulbs so yeah that that's also the sign that um it has like different pieces of it so um right next so at the museum right next to the yucca sign there's this like it says motel and it's on its side and it's on the floor um that one, sometimes we get to talk about, if I have a small group, I might talk about it. But if you look at the very top of the sign, it's uh, spray painted. It says Sleaze 83 or something, um, which is a marker for a few different signs of a maintenance worker who worked for Yesco or something. We don't know who exactly it is, <laughs> but we know that this one maintenance worker would sign his name and spray paint um, on, on, on places of the sign that you wouldn't see it. So it was on top of the motel and the um, motel sign was like underneath the word yucca, underneath the Y. So you would have never seen, like you don't look down on it or anything yeah. like that. It would have been up in the air. I'm totally um, doing that now. Same. I'm like, how do I start doing that secretly? Mm -hmm. And then um, also that is the sign that has the color TV by RCA. Yes. Yes. That's that's also okay. just amazing as a time I capsule. I also really like uh, I also really like the yucca sign because um, it's something that connects with one of my other, I have another job. Um, I work as a field ranger at the Desert Wildlife uh, Refuge in Las Vegas. Oh. Um, I get to do a lot of driving in the backcountry, so I'm driving through yucca forests all the time. Um, and I get to check out like the different trails um, and kind of the mountains in that area and stuff. But um, I love being out. I, one thing that I have loved about Las Vegas is um, being out in nature and being out in the desert, which really, like, we think of deserts as being, like, barren. There's no life or anything like that. But um, really, Las Vegas, if once you get out of the city, there's so much life. There's so much, you know, nature. Um, you know, where I work specifically, it's called Corn Creek. It's the uh, um, entrance into the Desert National Wildlife Refuge, which is the largest refuge um, outside of Alaska. It's 6.2 million acres large. This is where like the atomic bombing testing um, all happened. And um, specifically it got preserved in the thirties to protect bighorn sheep. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I love it so much. So um, I don't know. It's just like I love when my jobs connect because both yeah. of them have a lot to do with Las Vegas history. The, one of the first things I talk about on my tour is about how Las Vegas is founded as a railroad town, you know, um, and we were a stop for steam engines to cool down because our groundwater, the way our fault lines work is that um, the ground gets like pushed up. And so the groundwater gets pushed up to the surface. And that's how Corn Creek exists is because of that groundwater being pushed up. Um, and it's a creek in the middle of the desert that runs all year round, never dries out or anything like that. Um, and when you go next to it, there's all this different plants, you know, tons of birds. Personally, I've seen coyotes, bobcats. 
There are, you know, badgers, mountain lions, desert tortoises. There's just a lot out there. Yeah. Hmm. Badgers. That's amazing. I feel mm-hmm. like that's what I love about, I'm beginning to love the desert now. I, those who know me, I do not do well in the sunshine. It it burns <laughs> a lot, but I have a deep new appreciation for the desert for for some of those same, same reasons. It's so fascinating what can survive and what we think of as desolate. And it fascinates me. There's so many like flora and fauna that thrive in that environment. And it's so beautiful and interesting. Mm-hmm. Lots of cool rocks. Lots yeah. of cool rocks. Nobody cool rocks. <laughs> sorry um i'm sorry for apologizing also but yeah dj and i have a shared love of general like rocks and stones i grew up rock hounding with my family and so i have a um between my collection and my family's collection we pretty much have all the agates from the entire oregon coast in our yard so hopefully <laughs> that's not a crime that i just uh, told the world that i did <laughs> shit damn it <laughs> I wanted to ask also, this is kind of going back a little bit. Didn't Betty Willis also design the diver, like one of the divers, one of the kind of well-known divers? I might be making that up. I feel like that. Um, I think we don't know the origin of that, right? Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. I don't I don't recall anything like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, mean, I don't know all of the science. But I, I do think- feel like there are ones that you can see. Like there, I feel like there's like the ones that you could go and you're like, yeah, man drew that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel like there's like a documentary or something or we, there was like a book that we, who was telling us Robert? Yeah. That like, they actually don't know who the original designer for the diver was. And that it's just sort of like been a part of the like canon of neon forever, but it's hard to track down the original one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe that was at Neon Speaks. Was there a Neon Speaks person who talked about that? Maybe. Yeah. That seems familiar. Um, the other thing I learned recently, I was reading a book about that I bought at the museum, maybe. That the the cowboy, the like Vegas Bake. Yeah, they like cut his hat down to put the roof over Fremont Street. They like made his oh, hat like 10 feet shorter or something. So That's, he used to have like a 10 um, gallon. And now he's got like a teeny. <laughs> it's a half yeah. gallon hat, hat now. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of things have happened to Vegas Vic. Um, the one that they have up right now that's lit up is not the original Vegas Vic. They definitely <laughs> made him a lot smaller. Um, yes. The original one is just super worn down. It's on display, oh. but um, I'm not 100% sure if that's the one that got his hat cut off or not. Um, most likely because I know that the Fremont streets that the cover, um, happened in like the nineties. Um, also a little fun fact, the same person who designed the cover for Fremont street, um, also designed the treasure Island skulls. (laughs) The tracks. That's hilarious. (laughs) So like the gigantic fiberglass skull. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That checks out. The first time I ever went to Vegas, it was uh, with a friend and we were driving through and we did get to see the museum, but we stayed at uh, Treasure Island and I was very excited because I was unaware that they were rebranding to TI. Yeah, yeah. And it got rid of all the pirate shit and I was so mad. I was so mad yeah. the whole time. That's a bummer. 
which is why we stay at the Excalibur this time because I demand <laughs> novelty. Damn it. We I so a few like I don't know maybe six years ago I heard I listened to a podcast with the authors of Learning from Las Vegas. It actually they actually sell really? that book in the museum's gift shop. Yeah. And this last trip I picked up a copy because I've really been wanting to read it, and it was just fascinating to hear their story and the research that they did based on um I, I feel like it kind of answers the quintessential does art imitate life or does life imitate art and mm. I'm so curious now that I have that in my like the forefront of my mind I'm really curious what the next 10 years of Vegas holds because I feel like for DJ and I when we were in town this this round it kind of felt like a bummer. Like it felt like they kind of used a lot of the big, you know, owners used COVID as an excuse to cut perks mm -hmm. in order to like make more money. And it was just such a bummer. We're like, we want free drinks and free buffet and like free show tickets. I'd like a fridge in my fucking room. I'd like please. a fridge, a microwave, <laughs> you know, like I mean, I feel like those things have always been hit or miss because they want you to eat at the buffet. They want you down at the tables gambling. Yeah. But I, I'm really curious. Like, it would be amazing to do another update of that book and see what the next 10 years hold. Anyway, so oh, I don't know if you've read that or if you're connected to it at all. Uh, or if you read it fully, um, but we did learn a lot about it because um, a while ago we did uh, implementation of a new tour. Um, it was called the Architectural Insights Tour. So me and a couple of other docents focused specifically on architectural history in Las Vegas and how they connected to the casinos and the signs in the boneyard. Um, and every once in a while, you know, um, our senior docents will uh, still hold that architectural insights tour if we have a private tour that's specifically interested in that kind of stuff. Cool. Um, yeah, so I, I was like, oh, you mentioned that book. That's something that I advertise usually if people are interested in buying a book from the gift shop. Some last things about the Neon Museum. Um, I think that one, everyone that I work with there is absolutely amazing. I think this is the one job that I've worked at where I, I don't dislike being at work <laughs> because of the fact Yay. that I get along with all the people that I work with. Um, so if by any chance anyone at the museum does listen to this, which <laughs> I hope they do, um, I want them all to know that I, I've been grateful to be able to work with such an amazing um, group of people with such interesting backgrounds and um, amazing and like unique personalities. There's a bunch of nerds at the museum, that's for sure. Um, and also to everyone that is going to hopefully visit the Neon Museum, um, definitely uh, know that everyone there is like doing this for fun. Like they just enjoy being a tour guide. And also, use the website, buy tickets in advance. It does sell out very easily and very quickly. Um, we hate turning people away at the door, but sometimes that just happens. Um, so 100% recommend checking out the website and getting tickets in advance. Awesome. Excellent. <laughs> well, thank you again. Uh, we hope that you have a great, I guess you're going back. Are you going to work at the Neon Museum now? Um, I have work at 5 p.m. Yeah, but okay. right now my son's awake, so I just I gotta go help. Okay. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and then, well, uh, I know I talked about the museum, but was there a last question that you guys had that you wanted to ask, Allison? I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. The, That's okay. Okay. Our nonsense <laughs> question for today is: 
Would you rather be able to jump 50 feet at will? Or would you rather be able to dive 50 feet underwater? Which, if dive you could choose, which would you like and why? Dive 50 feet underwater. I was originally a swimmer. Um, I love swimming. I played water polo in high school. Um, and so, uh, like my dad is a lifeguard in LA. Um, and like he had swam from like the coast of California to Catalina Island. So yeah. like, I think having that ability would benefit me very much. Absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why, but I sense in the universe, that was going to be a question that pertained to your life. And I felt <laughs> that I got, I got that message from the universe. That was awesome. Your nonsensical question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much. You guys have a great rest of your day. Lovely yeah, chatting. Bye. Bye. We learned so much about Las Vegas history with Ash at the Neon Boneyard. We highly recommend if you're in Vegas, cut, go, donate, buy their merch, do anything you can to support them. They're a great organization. But we did a lot more things in Vegas, y'all. The Neon Boneyard was literally the tip of the iceberg so we thought we'd share a few of those things with you in case you were inclined to go sometime soon in the future we were there for the neon but we stayed for the exhibits and the shows we hung out at fremont uh on fremont street a couple of times that was really fun yes it's kind of like bourbon street but cooler because there's more neon and less daiquiris well there's still the same amount of daiquiris maybe more they all have those like trombone sized things filled of slushy margaritas yeah i got one after you left (laughs) (laughs) nice nice (laughs) they were really cheap and i was just like well we're walking around (laughs) italy might as well do as the italians do and get a giant plastic cabo wabo glass right That wasn't until the last day, but okay. So yeah, so my mom was a good sport in that she was very aware of when she was too tired to go out again. So she let us, we had a like a, a reverse curfew where she went home and, <laughs> and we would go out and do the late night stuff. So my mom, me and Jacob went to Fremont right before we had the appointment at Boneyard just to see it and uh and then she went home and the three of us went back to Fremont. Right. That was where my mom saw two ladies who were in nun costumes with their boobies, boob parts cut out with like <laughs> tape over their nipples. She looks at me and she's wasted. and she goes, those women's titties are out. And I heard my mom say the word titties for the first time in my entire life at the 38, rape old age of 33. So thanks, Vegas. Thank you, Vegas. You've given us so many gifts. It was great. Um, it was interesting. I was... Uh, I was pleasantly surprised at the amount of amount and quality of bus busking in Vegas. What's busking, uh, street performing. Oh, oh, right, der. I forgot yeah. that word. Um, which is usually like cops are hassling people and shit that do that. Um, there did seem to be like designated areas for that, but that yeah. was kind of cool. And then at some point later in the night, I think you were with us at this point. There was like a crazy huge ass loud rock band that sounded terrible that were doing covers um, yeah but that was fun it was fun to go to fremont street together we got to check out all the cool neon and uh the you know historic sites over there we got to see vegas vicky inside oh vegas vicky was amazing 
amazing. That was seeing a neon sign that's that large inside of a staircase is so magical. <laughs> I, I wish that her leg, so I guess her leg is used to be animated and she'd like yeah. kick up and down and that was off, but it was still like a spectacular sight to be seen. I, I was pretty gobsmacked by it. It was so beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful piece. Yeah, and then there was also like part of the golden nugget. They had like that old timer, like old tiny, like uh, golden them their hills man on the corner. It was like very obvious, like a very crude early um, like fiberglass dude. Yeah, Fremont was was wild. It was interesting. It was cool, but it was also sad. There were like there's a lot of like levels of um, tragic shit happening also at the same time. Uh, that I guess just happens in large touristy towns, just like, uh, but also we were there uh, during the SEMA show, which happened to be like, uh, pimp my ride on steroids. (laughs) It was pretty epic. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. um, Aftermarket parts conference. So uh, it was pretty cool to see, like we saw a raised up hearse that looked so fucking cool. And I wasn't mad at it. Usually I hate those things that are super loud and obnoxious cars and trucks, but uh, in Vegas, everything, it worked out. It was good. The coolest thing about it was we, DJ wanted to go to this restaurant called the Pepper Mill. Yes. And I felt ashamed that I'd never heard of it before because it was so epic. Like, we can't wait to tell you. But the funny thing is the, that exact conference was happening right behind the Pepper Mill. So (laughs) it was both like this hilarious spectacle that you just like couldn't look away from, but also horrible traffic. And it like, got stressful to try to get back to the show we were planning to yeah. go to but it was kind of funny we we got there we heard all these like engines revving which kind of we were kind of worried it wouldn't set the stage properly for Peppermill. but then we walked in the door of Peppermill, and it was like the rest of the world completely faded away it's true it's very dark and shag carpety picture picture like <laughs> The most amazing conversation pit in the most mid-century home that you can even imagine in your mind. And then mid-century at more. It was amazing. More. More. More of it. More of it. More mirrors. More fire. More conversation pit. And you have the tiniest insight into how magical Peppermill is. I love a restaurant that knows that they don't have the seating space for the amount of people that go to this restaurant because it's been around since 1972 so it's a well-known tourist attraction for old-timey vegas style stuff um which is how i found out about it thanks youtube um and the neon sign is just magical it's like uh it's like double stroke outside blue and then inside the cans is like a rainbow straight tube horizontally like throughout each letter it's just like over the top in a way that's so beautiful and um yeah like Allison said you walk in and if you don't have a reserve I don't think they take no they didn't take reservations so you just like put your name on the little book and then if there's room in the the conversation lounge area which thank goodness there was we like hung out in this little short booth circle thing and the lady came around and again YouTube suggested that I try something called the punch bowl and I'm (laughs) I'm a sucker for things that are novelty, especially in this type of a place. So I ordered it and the woman like 
yelled at the top of her lungs how much alcohol was in it at the same time in order to tell me how much she was like that's 16 ounces of whatever just like the, just so you know this is eight shots and, we're like, <laughs> and i'm like i know yeah that's why we picked it can there i was have a little it? bit like a, sh- a, a like a shaming but in a way that was like we've had too many people order this and it's a waste of liquor and if you don't drink it, we're going to be really pissed at you. <laughs> yeah, it was like the most informative shaming ever. And I was like, give me the punch bowl. <laughs> <laughs> and then I didn't even finish my punch bowl by the time that we got a table. So it was it was magical. We had delicious food. And it was kind of one of those cool dinery type places where you can see the, the kitchen. And it all seemed to be working like a pretty well-oiled machine. And, um, and it was definitely like old style only the only waiters like wait staff in the house were women presenting mm-hmm. and the back of house were mostly men presenting yeah. folks and we were like mm, this feels like vegas doesn't it yeah and you could get breakfast all day winner all day i had french toast yeah <laughs> like probably like midnight my time <laughs> it, was, it was perfect no it was, lovely. And- it was really hard to leave it was so fun yeah. i loved its vibe and but it was uh, it was worth it for what was yeah. to come, which was magic. Well, and- Mormon form of magic. <laughs> it was Mormon <laughs> magic. <laughs> so okay, DJ is alluding to the fact that this whole trip—it's only been what, like twenty-six hours since we've been in this city—and all I can think about is how we agreed to go to see Donny Osmond for Wanda's birthday. That's what she wanted to do. And I think if you need to Google who Donny Osmond is, (laughs) do do so. He has, he is uh, 66 years old and has put out like 60 some albums in his lifetime. Like he's pretty epic as one Disney movie. I think he's the, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the voice of the singing voice of Mulan's um, boyfriend. Love Whatever his name is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In the Disney movie Mulan. Mm -hmm. Um, but more on that later, I think. Awkward. So we're chilling outside, Pepper Mill, admiring the sign, listening to gigantic trucks rev while we wait for our ride back to Harris. Mm-hmm. But we'd like to set the scene for you because this was an experience end to end. We arrive at Harris and there's a line that's like around the escalator. They won't let us upstairs. There's like too many people. And there's this, what would you say, like 22-ish year old white girl in front of us wearing a Donny Osmond what would you call it? Like fan club hoodie? Yeah. She's yeah. like in a fan club. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I thought I was bad. This is. I was struck by the people, the, the line of women that looked like my mom in another dimension. <laughs> I wouldn't say traumatic. Sport, <laughs> but I was a little bit like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> but that passed. That was a fleeting moment. It was fleeting. <laughs> because we went up the escalator. And we got to the top of the escalator and there was so much. There were so many costumes that Donny Osmond was got sweaty in from dancing yes. in too much. Yes. So much swag. I have and a feeling, I don't know, this may be, uh, I may be grossly um, underestimating our, our, our listeners, <laughs> uh, but um, I'm going to go ahead and assume that like me, you don't necessarily watch 
the masked singer because it seems like something that should be in like a Philip K. Dick novel. Which is something you should be interested in, I feel, but I digress. You're not Not in real life. What? Oh, see, okay. It's not. (laughs) I think we're having our first fight, everyone, just so everyone knows. This is I'm just saying it's it's (laughs) it's not it's like the form of entertainment that's like the fall of man. But I, I will you say had Shakespeare that, once. <laughs> now, now we have dancing piles of poo. Yeah, now we have Giuliani on reality shows pretending to be whatever the fuck he dressed up as. I, I'm not. I'm not even gonna look it up. I'm not gonna Google it. I'm not gonna do. But that. there was also Kermit the Frog. So wholesome mixed in. Okay, well, well, I, I will say bad about that. I can't say anything bad about that. I know. <laughs> See, I got you. I trapped you. I trapped you. Ha. So. Um, However, this, back to the story. <laughs> so the, the the most ridiculous part about me is I am very weird and good at note. Like I, the reason I like the mass singers because when I hear a voice, I can almost always identify. It, and I'm not exaggerating on the mass singer when Donny Osmond sang the first three notes, I knew it was him immediately because of that, my. You knew um, that peacock. You knew him. Issue. Oh, I knew that peacock. You knew him. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, we finally get into the show. We get some beverages in us. Wanda loosens up. DJ's loosening up. We're in a cool semicircle booth thing, like for Sinatra and things. Exactly. (laughs) We definitely were like, okay. I, I, okay. Also, full disclosure, I'd never been to a real show in Vegas. Like the last time I was there, I went to see Popovich. If you don't know who that is, Google it. It's adorable. It will blow your minds with with delight. It's amazing. And so the, I didn't realize how intimate the show was going to be. So I got in yeah. and I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited about this. Yeah, we could um, see him. We could yeah, see him. He was right yeah. there. Although he did not like it when we yelled, we love you, Donnie. He totally ignored us. And I felt very sad about that, but whatever. Well, you know, yeah. he's, he's promised. He's like <laughs> to the Lord. <laughs> um. Yes, he is Mormon and it's hilarious <laughs> to me. So we get through the show and he he opens the show because again, he's been this weird staple in uh, we, okay, everyone, if you're tired of Donny Osmond stories, you can just fast forward like four to seven more minutes because we're probably yes. going to be on the topic for a while. And I'm sorry. He, he opens. <laughs> I gave him the warning. They don't have to listen to my story. Yeah. It's an advisory. We can put it on the, on the descriptions. Exactly, exactly. But he opens the show with what he calls his auto rapography. And for eight solid minutes, he does a over eight minutes. Over eight minutes, he raps about his career in show business. Now in Will's Willie Smith style. (laughs) The deal is if this interests you, we are going to give you the gift of the recording that we took of said auto rapography. This is our Christmas present to you. Merry holidays to all, because if you don't care about it, you don't have to listen after the credits, but we will put it in there. So that was pretty epic. We uh, listened to that and I only cried once. One song made me cry because it's from Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. <laughs> um, and then at the very end, it was amazing. He wouldn't accept my encore requests. I was very sad about that. So after the non-encore, which was very, very sad, I got a text from Jacob, my partner, who did not go to the show, but decided to go sit down at the roulette tables. And I think on his second try, won a decent sum of money and was 
celebrating as you would. So I decided to go down the escalator with my very drunk mother and uh, try and find him to give him a congratulatory jump up and down as you do when you're, you've won <laughs> less than a thousand dollars. And then I went outside to smoke a little. And then I went to the bathroom. And then I realized more than a few minutes had passed and Allison hadn't come down the escalator. And I wondered, did she get abducted by Donnie Austin? <laughs> my dreams. Happened in However, my dreams. that is not what happened. No, she instead left a very tipsy Allison in line for Donny Osmond swag <laughs> <laughs> and when she when DJ returned up the escalator I was behind these two lovely ladies who was chatting with the merch lady for some time I'd been behind these two women for probably six full minutes while they just chatted about coming back for more swag and then um very tipsy Allison spent way more than she normally would on merch because she was very excited and tipsy at Donny Osmond so I now have a 3XL um, hoodie that is too tight at the hips and is very big at the shoulders but I wear it with pleasure Donny gotta get the better hoodies man yeah yeah but also didn't you get like um what else is there was like a poster you got a free poster that's what it was you spent so much money that's true yeah free poster (laughs) The secret shame here is I spent so much money. She goes, oh, you spent this limit. You get a free poster. (laughs) And then you get to choose. You get to choose like which poster you wanted. You got the leather jacket poster. Oh, yeah. I picked the moodiest, broodiest Shah Adani. Oh, yeah. He's definitely going to go above my bed. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Brad. (laughs) Nah, he knows. He's, He's here for it. But on a more serious note, this episode is going to be our last until the new year so we looked at the calendar and it seems that this is our one year anniversary kind of so we just wanted to thank everyone for listening we super appreciate you this really started out as um just like us hanging out and we just wanted to record our friends conversations that's really all we wanted to do so um (laughs) thank you for sticking with us and finding it interesting we really appreciate you. So we hope that you have a safe and happy holiday and new year and keep on making that neon y'all. Yeah. See you next year. Bye. Bye. Please enjoy Donnie Osmond now. And his auto rap biography.
rock and roll band.